Turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. We're going to be in uh, verse 4 through verse 9. And as you're turning there in your Bibles, I want to just touch base on the differences between fear and anxiety. They're similar. They work together. They're like cousins in the same family. Uh, but fear has an identified target. Uh, if you've ever been kind of cliff jumping or jumped into the water from, from a high place, a, a high dive, for instance, and you get up to the top and you look over, uh, it's not uncommon to be afraid, but you know what you're afraid of. Uh, if you've ever been skydiving or you, you, you know, I would never do that because I'm afraid of heights or afraid of jumping out of a plane, et cetera, et cetera. Fear has an identified target. Anxiety doesn't work that way. Anxiety works in the imagination. Anxiety uh, works in the what ifs. So rather than having something specific that you recognize that you're afraid of, anxiety begins to torment your mind and you stay awake at night imagining all the different scenarios. What if I lose my job? What if someone I know gets sick? What if someone has a hard time recovering? What if dot, dot, dot? What if with my parents? What if with my kids? That's how anxiety works. Anxiety works in the, in the world of suspicion, the world of apprehension, where fear identifies the target and screams, run, get out. Uh, anxiety uh, looks at, at the situation and imagines all the different scenarios that could possibly go wrong. Now, Amy and I, my wife, uh, we have two children who have immune systems that, that have a difficult time already with asthma. So you can imagine as we're working through coronavirus and asking people to wash their hands, et cetera, et cetera, it's easy if we're not careful to give into anxiety fears, bad thoughts. And many of you understand what it's like to lay awake at night and you just can't shake the gripping, the gripping anxiety of all the different what ifs. What does the Bible have to say about that to us this morning? Philippians chapter four, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. If you want victory over worry, if you want victory over anxiety, and even fear, then our prescription is right here from the Apostle Paul. And we're going to unpack a few things that exist in this passage that I think we need to grow in as a body and as a church right now more than ever. In 1982, there, there was a man uh, by the name of Larry Walters, lived in Los Angeles, California, and he 
he had it in his mind that he wanted a better perspective of his neighborhood. And so he drove down to the army surplus store and he bought a little over 40 weather balloons and he filled them with helium. He went to Sears and he bought a lawn chair. He brought all these things back together and he tied his balloons to his chair. He got a six pack of beer and a BB gun, strapped himself into a lawn chair and cut himself loose. And in his mind, he thought, you know, I'm, I'm 30, 40 feet. This is going to be an adventure. I'm going to be able to see my neighborhood. And instead, he hurtled into the sky and rose to 16,000 feet in Los Angeles, California. Now, <laughs> you can imagine. I don't know if you can imagine. Here I am talking to you about anxiety, and some of you are literally getting anxious right now. That's how I feel reading this story. I can't fathom this. I can't imagine this. Uh, he drifted into the flight path of LAX where pilots are radioing air traffic control because they see a man in a lawn chair 16,000 feet up in the air with a gun. <laughs> Can you imagine? He gets rescued Right? He obviously wasn't anticipating all the different things that happened. And he, re he gets rescued and he finally gets back down to the ground. And, the, you know, he's interviewed. Why did you do it? And his response is simply this. A man can't just sit around. His response. He has, he has the most unscientific, un-anything response here. A man can't just sit around. In other words, I had to do something. I had to get off my couch and do something today. Why not strap myself into a lawn chair and tie 40 some odd helium filled balloons and hurdle myself into 16,000 feet of airspace? A man can't just sit around. That speaks to us right now, doesn't it? Many of us are literally stuck in our homes sitting around. And we are finding ourselves growing in anxiety or growing in fear. Here's how, here's how all this works. You, you, you know, we're, you're on the couch and you're on your device and you're, you're scrolling and you're reading things on your phone, news, Facebook, Instagram, and you scroll through it, you scroll through it, you scroll through it. Then you're watching something on TV and then you're watching something on your laptop. Then you're back to your phone and then you're back to the laptop and then you're back to the TV and the cycle continues. I'm getting anxious just talking about it. If you have children, you, you might, you, you take a break, you eat some food, maybe you have school, you get them to bed, and then the same cycle continues. And so what we're finding is this idea that as we just sit around, our, our anxiety and fear are growing and we need to take spiritual action. If you want to overcome anxiety, you must take spiritual action. A man or a woman, in other words, can't just sit around. A life of faithful, Christ-dependent prayer will be a life protected from anxiety by God's peace. That's what we see Paul teaching us here in Philippians chapter 4. So let's begin to break this down. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. If you have an Amazon Kindle, uh, the number one most highlighted uh, portion of words across the Kindle, across the globe, is Philippians chapter 4. As people are highlighting things about anxiety, yet simply highlighting it 
and making note of it isn't actually freeing you from the prison of anxiety or the prison of fear. What is it that you need to do? You need to do what Paul is teaching you to do. You need to begin to rejoice. And that can be hard to do in a moment where you're, you're feeling frustrated or you're feeling panicking or you're, uh, or you're anxious. How do you begin to rejoice? We're not talking about a false sense of happiness. You know, if you've heard the saying, fake it till you make it, I'm not a huge fan of that. There's a time and a place, I suppose. But what is a more appropriate uh, encouragement for us this morning is face it until we make it. In other words, we look at the problems at hand, and in the midst of that, we find what we can rejoice in the Lord about. One of the greatest gifts you will ever do for yourself is learning the art of celebration, learning to celebrate. Jesus, in, in multiple parables, he told them in a row, he, he talked about several things that were lost at one point. He talked about a lost coin. He talked about a lost sheep. And he talked about a lost son. And as each one of these things was found, the end of the story uh, looks very similar in all of them. A party was thrown and there was great joy as people experienced that which was lost being found. And so when we talk about rejoicing in the Lord, we are not talking about you simply being happy about your circumstances or your situations. It, it, it's, it's learning to, to, to be anchored to something deeper, the depth of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for you. Jesus Christ died on a cross for our sins. He purchased our victory on the cross and he rose again on the third day, victorious over sin and death. And that is worth rejoicing over. There is great joy that can be had even when our situations don't look great or they feel stressful or you're wondering, how am I going to provide or what am I going to do about a job or my, my family member or this person that I'm worried about getting sick? Even in the midst of that, don't hear me, don't, please don't hear me being insensitive. I'm not saying don't be concerned and I'm not saying to not pray. We're going to get to that in just a moment. What I am saying is that deep down into the depths of our heart and in our soul, there is, a, there is, a, there is an ability for us to rejoice when you have a revelation of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for you. If you want to overcome anxiety in your life right now, we've got to tap into the truth of who Jesus is and what he's done. You've got to remind yourself, and that is something worth rejoicing about. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. There was a, a, a song growing up. I grew up going to church. I was a church kid. Uh, but there was an old hymn and the chorus says, one of the portions of the chorus, it says, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives. You and I can face tomorrow because of the resurrection. 
because of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. You watching, if you've not put your faith in Jesus, this is a moment for you to put your faith in the one true God, Jesus Christ, the Son of our Heavenly Father. The light bulbs are going off. This is a moment for you to put your faith in Him as your Savior today. You can face tomorrow because of the resurrection. This isn't the end. In fact, your, your latter days are greater than your former days. Why is that true? Because the resurrection is coming. At some point, even as hard and difficult as this might get or look, there is coming a day and a moment where all of this is gone and all of this is over and he will have wiped away every tear, everything difficult, everything painful. The resurrection will have taken place and we will know true life in Jesus, eternal life in him. And everybody said, amen. You can type it uh, if you're watching live. <laughs> Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So we started off with rejoicing. Finding the depths, the truth of, of Jesus in the depths of your heart and soul, understanding what he's done for you, that causes a rejoicing. It also causes a, a stabilizing in your soul. The next thing that we are to do is we, 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 we choose to not stay on the spiritual couch, so to speak, is to begin to ask. Don't be anxious about anything, but instead... With prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Are you talking to God? Honestly, are you asking Him? What are you asking Him to do? I know for myself, it's really easy. I mean, it's really easy to talk about my problems, to talk about my situations or the things that I'm scared about or nervous about or afraid about. I can vent about it. And hear me, you need to do both. You need to talk it out with people. You need to vent it out with people. But it's also really easy to think that I've, I've given it to God when all I've really done is given it to somebody else. And God is inviting us to talk to Him about it. And one of the reasons this allows you to step out from the prison of anxiety and fear is that you're giving it to the one person who actually has the power to do something about it. The Bible says to pray continually. We see examples of people wrestling with God in prayer, wrestling for minutes, hours, days at times where they're, they're just continually praying and they're continually seeking him. The disciples, uh, after seeing Jesus do miracle after miracle after miracle, what's interesting is, interesting is they don't ask Jesus to teach them how to do miracles. They say, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray, O oh Lord. In other words, they recognize that his, his, his stature, they recognize that his stability, that the anchor of his heart wasn't simply in the power that he had as the Son of God, but in the very connection that he had with his Heavenly Father. How was he connected? Through prayer. Jesus was asking God to do one thing after the next. 
We need to do the exact same thing. We need to be people who are prayerful, people who are on our knees seeking God, asking God, asking him to move. Acts 4.31, after Jesus had risen from the grave, it says that after they prayed, the disciples, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. The place where they were meeting was shaken. They were filled with God's presence and His power. Acts 16, 25 through 26, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and they were singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Prayer shakes your situation. It shakes your situation up. And this is what we need. We need men and women. And you need to be the kind of person who is willing to pray to God and ask him to move. Ask him for his power. Ask him for his presence and let him shake things up. Don't just talk about it. Pray about it. Don't just vent about it. Give it to God and ask him to do what only he can do. In my own life with prayer, first of all, let me just be really transparent here. Of all the things that I do as a pastor, one of the hardest things to do is to actually pray. And you might be thinking, good grief. You know, what's wrong with you, Pastor Andy? It's not that it's difficult in that in that, you know, I don't want to do it or, uh, you know, that I don't know the words to say. It's that there is a proclivity in every single person to try to accomplish and meet their own needs in their own strength. We all try to do it. We all try to cope. We all try to survive. We all, we all our tendency is to, is to rely on our own ability and our own strength rather than naturally going to God. We have to fight our flesh on it. And that means getting up a few minutes early. That means praying before you go to bed, praying in the car, making a list for yourself, writing it on your mirror, putting a sticky note in your vehicle, doing whatever it takes to be reminded to pray and to seek God, this is what we need. I had a roommate one time. Uh, this was, I was just getting into youth ministry. And my roommate, he grew up very differently than I did, you know, um, in terms of church and his experience with God's presence and power and prayer. You know, prayer wasn't something that I really grew up really learning how to do a whole lot of. And, you know, I used to have really bad allergies. I mean, terrible allergies. So much so that I get migraines, right? And I, you know, I'd have to just lay in bed and it, it would be the kind of migraines some of you are watching, you know what I mean, where you feel nauseous and sick to your stomach and you cannot do a thing. And I had come home to my apartment and, you know, my, I told my roommate I was super sick and I was going to bed and, you know, what, what's the detail? What's the story? I said, I've just got this migraine. He said, well, are we going to pray about it? I was like, well, <laughs> okay, I guess. And sure enough, my roommate prays for me. 
literally just puts a hand on my shoulder and says, God, I'm asking that you would take this away from Andy. It was a simple prayer with a simple request. God, take that away. And I'm telling you right here as I'm standing before you in front of this camera, God took my headache away in that moment with the blink of an eye and the snap of a finger. And I have no other explanation to tell you other than God moved in answer to my friend's prayer. And then things went up another notch with all of it. So about a year later, you know, I struggled with allergies. And I'd struggled with allergies and environmental allergies my whole life in a debilitating way at times. And in similar fashion, someone says, hey, are you, you going to pray about this? Are you going to ask God to do anything about this? I thought, well, pff, okay. And sure enough, we began to pray and I felt convicted to pray and to just begin to ask God, God, you know what? There's nothing too big for you. There's nothing, uh, there's nothing too small for you. You're the God who knows how many hairs are on my head. You know every thought that I have. You know when I lay down. You know when I get up. You know every fear that I'm carrying, every concern. You know everything. Why not give this to you and pray and ask you to move? Because after all, last time I checked, I've, I've confessed and I've, and I've stated that I believe you're the God who hung the moon and the stars in the sky and put the sun and earth in its orbit. If you can do that, could you possibly move in the affairs and details of my life? So I began to pray, God, would you take away my allergies? Doesn't make any sense, right? Who prays like that? <laughs> well, apparently, God desired us to, desired me to, because again, in the blink of an eye and the snap of a finger, it's been about 15 years since I've had any allergies at all. How's that happen? I don't have a great explanation for you. I can't tell you the science of what happened inside my body. I can simply tell you that I don't take medicine for it anymore. I can tell you that I don't wake up struggling with it anymore. I don't go to bed struggling with anything anymore. Those issues are gone. How did that happen? Because God responds to people who will pray. He is not moving in my life because I'm a pastor. Hear me. That is not the case. He moves in the lives of his people, just like you watching right now. If you need God to move, ask him to move. Don't just talk about him moving. Don't just talk about the things you're concerned about. Bring them to him. Pray and expect and ask him to move. He will. He's the God who brings hope. Now I'm asking you to hear me in this moment. The last thing I want you to do is to, is to walk away or to turn your camera or TV off in this moment and, and hear Pastor Andy being insensitive about the needs that you have and our culture has right now. I'm not suggesting uh, that I have all the answers for how God moves and how God heals and how he answers and responds to every prayer that we, that we offer him. But here's what I do know. I know that we are called to be the kind of people who get off of the spiritual couch and get engaged. We can't just sit around, so to speak. 
We're called to be people who rejoice. We're called to be people who pray and ask and seek and ask and seek God again. And what helps me in this moment is this little word called thanksgiving. What is it that the scriptures say? Uh, the Bible says to present your requests to God and to do so with a thankful heart, to be thankful, to, to have a spirit of thanksgiving. If you have children, or even in your own heart, it doesn't matter how old you are, oftentimes our natural response isn't to be thankful. Children definitely don't have a natural response to be thankful. And in our, our home, we're beginning to train them and, and to teach them how to be uh, people, little people who are thankful. Thankful for what they have. Thankful for, for what mom and dad do for them. And uh, on many occasions, you know, we're teaching our kids to be responsible, but there are still things that they aren't able to do yet. Different kinds of food that they are asking to have prepared. Um, or even just my youngest, you know, if he wants to have a glass of milk, he's not able to open the fridge yet and, and get it out and pour himself a glass. He's not able to do that yet. He's too young and little to, to, to make it happen. That being said, what we're teaching them to do when they have a request is to posture that request with a thankful heart. Dad, can you do that? Would you do this for me? Yes, son, I can do that. Thank you, Dad. Now, what's interesting about their, the posture of Thanksgiving is that they're beginning to say thank you before I've actually even done and completed the very thing that they've asked me to do. Well, why would they do that? The reason they're saying thank you is that they know the character of dad. They understand who dad is. And so they're thankful already because they, they know him. They understand his nature. They understand my nature as a good dad who's trying to provide well for my kids, who's trying to, to, to be a good father, right? And so they begin to say thank you, and they're, they're thanking me for something that hasn't actually happened yet. And in the same way when we pray to God, when we pray for him to move, when we ask for him to literally drive out a virus in our country, when we ask him to, to provide jobs, when we ask him to provide money and, and physical needs and monetary needs and, and, and health needs, it's important for us to have a posture that's thankful before him, even though he hasn't fully done what you've asked him to do yet, or you haven't seen it fully realized. To have a posture of thanksgiving is to be rooted and anchored in the nature and character of God. God, I'm thanking you for this, even though it hasn't happened yet. I'm thankful that you're the kind of God who hears and moves. And what's interesting, there are times when, when I don't respond. In fact, rarely do I respond to my children in the exact timing that they want me to. And rarely do I provide the exact thing that they want in the precise manner that they want it. And yet, here we are once again, this lesson, it reminds us to be thankful and also understand that God's timing many times like a parent is different than ours. 
and when he moves and how he moves and the manner in which he moves, sometimes it's beyond what we are able to comprehend or what we're able to understand in the moment. But it doesn't change the fact that we are the kind of people who are called to rejoice in the Lord always and to ask our good and gracious God to move. We can't just sit around. If you want to overcome fear and overcome anxiety, you must reject spiritual inactivity. And you must instead take upon yourself a heart and a hunger for more of God, a hunger for his presence, a hunger for God to move, for God to shake things up in your life through prayer and through the power of rejoicing. Understand something here uh, to those who are listening. God isn't interested in professional prayers. He's inter interested in desperate prayers. Let me say that one more time. He's not interested in professional prayers. He doesn't care how your volume. He doesn't care how long your prayer is. He doesn't care how big the words are. He doesn't care if you know exactly what to say or whether your prayer is theologically accurate or not. God does not care about how professional your prayer is. What he is concerned with is a heart that's desperate for him and desperate for him to move. Is he going to move in the exact manner in which you want, in the exact time in which you want him to? I don't know. But I know if we're going to be the kind of people who are anchored in him, We've got to be men and women who pray and trust him in the process. I'm going to close with this. Last week, we talked about Ezekiel, one of the prophets in the Old Testament. We're going to go to another prophet right now. His name is Jeremiah, and he's, in, he's preaching and prophesying in similar situations to people in uncertain times going through unimaginable hardships. This is what he says. He says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He's like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought for it does not cease to bear fruit. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. What does it look like to trust in him? Well, Paul teaches us to be someone who is rejoicing in who God is, to be anchored in the truth of Jesus Christ and what he's done for you. That can produce joy in your life, regardless of your situation. You were lost and now you're found. How else can, can you have hope in this moment and overcome anxiety and fear? Because you know that you serve a God who hears and responds to your prayers. He knows how many hairs are on your head. He knows when you stand up. He knows when you sit down. He knows when you're awake and he knows when you're asleep. He knows every thought in your mind. He knows every concern, every fear, everything that's keeping you up late at night. He knows. And he's not shaken by it. And because he's not shaken by it, we can ask him to come and do the shaking in our situation. Ask him, pray, and do it with a posture 
of thanksgiving. God, thank you for who you are. Your character and nature is good. Thank you for moving. I trust you in all of it. And as you trust, I'm believing right now that you will not have fear and anxiety, as Jeremiah says, in the year of drought. But you'll experience fruit growing in your life. Fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of God's presence will anchor you through difficult times. There is hope today. There is hope alive today. And it's in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you in this moment that you are a God who cares. You are a God who knows us. You know the things that are keeping us awake at night. You know our concerns. You know, uh, you know the challenges that we're facing. Father, help us to be the kind of people, Lord, who reject just sitting and letting things continue to happen. But Lord, that we would be the kind of people who begin to out of our mouth rejoice in you, to rejoice in the Lord always, regardless of what's happening. Help us to be the kind of people this morning who pray and seek you and to do it with a thankful heart. If you're watching this morning and you're new to faith or you're new to Christianity or even the stories in the Bible, I want to invite you this morning to put your faith in Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you to find a church wherever you're living and to begin to get plugged into that. And if you're sitting here this morning and you know, you're challenged by this word to pray and you don't know what to actually pray, here's what I want to encourage you to do. Three words are all you need. Jesus, help me. Jesus, help. Start right there. A prayer of faith asking Jesus to help. And he will. If you need any prayer this morning, you can comment right now in the comment feeds on Facebook or on YouTube. Uh, we can take it offline and we can have uh, men and women praying for you in direct messenger and in private moments. Listen, do not let this moment pass you by. If you need prayer, if you want to grow in prayer, this is our moment. Let's reject living in anxiety and fear, and let's press in to the goodness of God, his presence and his grace at work in our lives. Amen. Amen. It's great to be here with you this morning. Thanks for uh, streaming with us. We'll see you right here next week.